I'm Ben Solak, and I host the Ringer NFL Draft Show with Danny Kelly, Danny Heifetz, and Craig Horbeck. Join us twice a week as we talk everything NFL Draft and break down all the players who will make your team better. Except the Rams, because they don't really have any picks. Check us out on the Ringer NFL Draft Show on Spotify. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. On today's episode of One Shining Podcast, we are recapping the 2023 National Championship game. It is Monday. It is National Championship Monday, one of my favorite holidays in all of college basketball. And in the words of Jim Nance, dream on, dream until your dreams come true. I am not sure who wrote that, but Isn't we that Aerosmith? I, I I am not sure, Kyle. I, I am think not that's sure. Aerosmith. Well, it might be. Shout out to Steven Tyler for making that possible. But uh, that's how we introed this game. If you if you in case you missed it, the Yukon Huskies are your 2023 national champions. Myself and Kyle Mann, we're gonna do our best to break down what it means. Is Yukon a blue blood? Some of the bigger questions uh, coming out of this game, and just you know, a tip of the cap to Dan Hurley. I, I kept asking throughout this entire run, will Dan Hurley win a close game? And Yukon said, no. We will just continue to beat. The hell out of everybody in front of us, and they did it again in the national championship game to win their fifth championship since 1999. So again, myself and Kyle Mann are going to break that all down. Excited about that, um, Kyle. Any big takeaways? You and I, only people in Spotify's offices right now watching this game. Um, was it as electric as you hoped it would be? Uh, Spotify? No, actually, you have to. <laughs> yeah, you have to wave your arms every 20 minutes when the electricity the goes out. Uh, but you know. <laughs> Uh, I, haven't, I haven't done this run since 2019, and um, I forgot what it was like completely. Uh, and those first two weekends, I was like, holy shit, man. But right. then as as you back away from it, you're like, oh, this is going to be over soon. And then and then by, you know, by yesterday, I was like, oh, man, this is really, what the hell? And then today even, but then at the, at the last three minutes, I was like, let's just get this shit over with, because the last three minutes was probably one of the worst things I've, <laughs> I've seen in this tournament. So, um all of it was good. I'm, I'm it, full of emotions. Uh, thanks for being my friend. But first, <laughs> Woody Durham. He takes the timeout. Technical foul. Technical foul. Technical foul. Welcome into One Shining Podcast. It is Monday. It is the night of the national championship game. And uh, right now we have the Jim Nance line that we have all been waiting for for quite some time. His last line, the Huskies have had their dreams come true and they win their fifth national championship since 1999. I am joined, of course, by Kyle Mann. And Kyle Mann, this was not the uh, most scintillating game that we've ever seen in the national title game. But first and foremost, what are your initial reactions to what we just witnessed? I uh, I mean the the big thing that you the game itself obviously wasn't um I, well before I get going I just wanted to make make it really clear that if it's covid paxlovid and also um it's uh, it's important to me that that I got that in there but I, <laughs> I think that like one one of the big things for me is um 
your mind just kind of goes to the big picture thing for UConn just because of how, I don't know, this game kind of felt like uh, it, it was a little tedious at times. We got in the bonus, I think, with like 14 minutes left in right. the second half. And when that was happening, I was like, oh, boy, this is going to be a little bit of a slog. Um, I think I think you just kind of have to drift towards the macro questions here, Tate, which are we, we kind of tease what this could mean if UConn won this game, you know, their fifth title since 1999 you know and they've done it now under three coaches and calhoun and uh, kevin ollie and now dan hurley that i think is the big takeaway from this i mean aside from we can get into the weeds of how well built this yukon team was um and I, I think that that's definitively a fact and that they were good throughout the year um I don't know. And, and in some level, too, it makes me feel like we we sort of looked away from them for a moment, all, despite the fact that they were dominant at different times during this year. But uh, but no, the big picture stuff is the thing where my mind goes. It's just it's it's really phenomenal that they've had five trips to the title game and won all five. That, that That's an incredible batting average. I think that's the un, unfortunately, right? We just watched the national championship game and immediately we go to the larger narrative of what this means for UConn, the program, because we know UConn basketball and obviously we know the women's team with Gino Ariyama. I mean, they, they've been doing this for quite some time. They know how to win basketball games. But when Calhoun won in 1999, they beat a Duke team that had lost one game all year. They were, you know, Duke was the favorite by eight points. It was one of the bigger upsets in national championship history. And weirdly, kind of gets brushed under the rug for whatever reason. And I don't know if it's because, you know, Mr. K has so many, you know, soldiers in the media world. But regardless, we don't talk about that game enough. We don't talk about Calhoun enough. But when they won that game, it put everyone, you know, kind of on the map. And also, weirdly, in that tournament, Gonzaga, that was their first moment where they said, hey, we're going to be a team that's going to be in the conversation moving forward. And the difference between those two programs as you forecast and look at the 21st century is simply this. When UConn gets to the title game, UConn wins. 5-0. and it, it, it is... It is unmatched. And if you go back and you look at the teams that they played, that is the time, you know, when you are, you know, if you're one of us, right, you might be able to poke, you know, a few holes. Obviously, they beat Duke in 99. Amazing. The Georgia Tech team that they played in 04, I mean, Georgia Tech was great that year. Jared Jack is their point guard. You know, you 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 got some stars on their team. B.J. Elder, Luke Sincher, right? But they go up. Luke Sincher doesn't do it for you, Tate? Is I that, mean, were you not a big Luke Sincher guy? I saw them, funny enough, Kyle, man. I was in New York for the NIT preseason tournament with my family, and we ran into the entire Georgia Tech team uh, out, and they were at the Foot Locker in Times Square, and, and Luke Sincher uh, signed my T-shirt. So I, at that point in time, I said, I'm a Luke Sincher guy. I was locked in for Paul Hewitt. I thought they could actually win that championship. But then I came back to reality and said, oh, my God, this team has Ben Gordon and Emeka Okafor, right? So they they dominate that game, uh, as we all saw and all witnessed. But weirdly, in the back of your mind, when you see Georgia Tech in the title game, you're kind of like tonight. You're just like, I, I can't close my eyes and see them as the national champions. The next time they get to the title game is 2011, right? They play Butler, who is without Gordon Hayward. Um, I think a lot of people in the in our memories, right? They they think that the Gordon Hayward 2010 game against Duke was also the UConn game in 2011. So I want to point out this was the Shelvin Mack team that they played in, in with Matt Howard. Um, so they win that game 2014. Kevin Ollie, right, goes up against an eight seed. Your Kentucky Wildcats, who you know kind of just took the one seed path and they overachieved in that tournament, and it led to the 2015 you know superstar platoon system that we saw. So they they get that one, of course. That's 4-0. And then tonight you play San Diego State, a five seed. 
and a five seed has never won in the national championship game. And we had two five seeds in the final four. And guess what? UConn played both of them and and beat both of them pretty handily. So, you know, if you look at it by, by just, just the bare bones of the situation, UConn since 1999, yes, you're a blue blood, right? You're five and oh, five championships. You check the box. When you get into the nuance a little bit, you can maybe, you know, talk your way into some of these arguments where, you know, Hey, the tournament fell their way, yada, 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 but you play who's in front of you. And, you know, my initial reaction to this game is, wow, we have to talk about UConn in a different light now. We really do. And Dan Hurley, um, at this point, he is going to be someone that's a central figure in college basketball moving forward. Yeah. And, you know, if you're not counting like the the Helms titles, I know that's something you and I have never gotten into, but I'm sure we will at some point. Kyle started laughing like he knew about that one already. So that's good. 1924. Um, I still claim it. Well, you know, that's that's your business, Tate. Um, <laughs> as a man of integrity, uh, we'll legislate your integrity later. Uh, but no, I mean, like they're they're freaking three titles away from Kentucky, something that Kentucky fans are super proud of. You know, you know, you guys, I don't even you guys have some floating amorphous abstract number. I don't know, but they're gaining on a lot of people because of their success. And I think something, too, is just like, is your program tied to the success of one coach or can they? Or can they step forward in the in the aftermath of that legendary coach? We're going to see if that happens with Syracuse. You know, we're going to see if that happens with Duke. I figure it probably will. But these are programs that have kind of like they are established sort of intergalactic brands that can withstand. They're bigger than one person. And, you know, for a minute there, we saw uh, them wobble a little bit. And in their wobbliness, they stole another title. They didn't steal this one. Some people took offense to me, like using the stole the title thing. It just means you swooped in in a year where like maybe a favorite dropped or something. They're really, they're legitimate titles, but you know, they won in 2014, but that then, was, you know, 2014 was the prohibitive Florida year, right? Everyone was saying that Florida yeah. was going to win that year. It felt like every like 2011, there was like an Ohio state contingent. They were going to win with their, you know, right? Like, like every one of those years, there was a de facto team that you expect. And then I was like, Oh, here's UConn. And this year we kept, you know, trying to figure out who that team was. And Purdue was the de facto team, but we all had our question marks. And just like, <laughs> as is tradition, here comes UConn. Yeah, yeah. And and it's it's like they, they kind of, after they won that title, it was kind of that thing where you have early su- success with a coach that maybe you're not totally in love with. I mean, you see this happen sometimes. Tate, you might be going through that right now in right. North Carolina. Mike you know? Davis in Indiana, potentially Hubert yeah. Davis in North Carolina now. Yeah, it can it can kind of just like a prolong relationship maybe that has a shorter shelf life than it than it seemed. But you know, Ollie is out of there by 2017-18. Hurley comes in. First couple seasons are, you know, the first one, he doesn't even crack 500 at 16-17. Second one, they that 19 and 12. But slowly they start to kind of build some momentum. He makes the tournament by uh by year three. And then he just kind of pieces together a team that is very a modern in philosophy. This is a team that used movement shooting. They were very clever about, you know, balancing the dynamic of like Sonogo, who throughout this game and throughout this tournament was just unbelievable at doing early work on the block and sealing. And man, once he seals you, you are dead. You might as well. They might as well. Like if Sonogo seals you, 
they might as well just like stop the action and come and put his defender in a coffin on the court <laughs> because that person is deceased. They are a former player. They have ceased to be. Uh, and like he just he throughout this game just was burying people. And you saw Jordan Hawkins. It's just maddening, man. It's maddening when you're worrying about the size of that play of a player like that. And then you have to just like at any moment, you know, even if you even if you guard Jordan Hawkins well, 80 percent of the time. He might bust you for three or four threes, and they're demoralizing. And I think this team, throughout this game, I think Clark Kellogg hit it. He made a point about the fact that, like, throughout this tournament, San Diego State has been able to pull people into the muck and force them to play an uncomfortable style. UConn was comfortable with that. They could be pulled. Like, you saw them throughout this game just kind of get easy baskets while San Diego State just struggled and struggled and struggled. But uh, this was this was a really well built basketball team, and uh, I, I just was really impressed with them throughout this tournament. And a name that we should you know remember, especially when we talk about this UConn team, because I feel like you know at times when it comes to UConn, right? When you talk about even 2011, people forget Alex Oriaki, right? He was such a big part oh, of this yeah. team, and, and he gets drafted, and he was the big, right? We 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 seemingly remember all the guards of UConn, whether it's Napier or Kimba, even Gordon. I mean, I guess people talk about Omeka Okafor, but there's no doubt in my mind that Adama Sanogo should be the name and the personality and the player that you should remember from this tourney run because he was dominant. And one of the stats I saw that they put up from CBS, which I thought was great, he is one of four players to average 20-plus points and shoot 65% or better throughout the NCAA tournament. And you're talking about Akeem Olajuwon, who, I mean, was on his way to an insane, you know, title run until he wasn't, right, because of an air ball. We all know how that went. Corliss Williamson with Arkansas, who's a madman. Christian Leitner, who's arguably one of the best, if not the best, college basketball players ever. And now Adama Sanogo, right? I mean, Talk about that that rarefied air that he's in. He is one one of those ones, as the kids would say. He's officially one of those. So I think the big takeaway, too, is that Sonogo dominated. And in a world where we talk about wings and we talk about guards, it, it reverted back to the bigs. And it reverted back to him and Klingon. And they were such a powerful punch between the two of them. Klingon wasn't even on fire to start this game. Had a bad traveling violation. Looked a little bit off. Had a, had a tough air ball early. Then all of a sudden... Huge block on defense, gets a steal on an entry pass, and it's like, okay, we're off to the races. These guys are are, are unstoppable. And it's like, if you're San Diego State or if you're, you know, Arkansas or if you're Gonzaga, any of these teams that's faced UConn, it's like every time they try to get a breather, right, they're like, okay, great, they took Sonogo out. It was the <laughs> LeBron James when he sees Kawhi Leonard check in. It was like, oh, shit, well, here comes the other guy, and he's even more terrifying, and he's even bigger. And Kyle was laughing at me because how many times did Ladie try to drive into Klingon or Sonogo? And you're just like, where are you going, man? Like, these guys are brick walls. These are brick houses. They're not going to let that happen. It was a no-go around the basket. <laughs> it was like throughout this night, like Ladie, Ladie, I'm really, you know, it's late. I'm sorry for that, folks. You know, you can tweet at me and, 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 and uh, you know, just ridicule me for that comment. But I like, it really was a thing throughout this tournament where Ladie made a living in that like eight foot, you know, hook shot. And throughout the, when this game was winding down, I was about to, you know, lose my mind because he just kept doing it over and over again. And it was something that helped them come back against Florida Atlantic. But tonight it was tough. And I think throughout this game, what I think San Diego State maybe started to realize late in the game, I texted you and I was like, they just got to get Mensa out of there. And his foul trouble kind of worked. His rim protection 
helped, but they were scoring at will. It, it got to the point where I, th- I think San Diego State had to kind of make a choice. Like, we got to f- find a way to space and get some offense out here because, he, you know, Mensa is just, he's a zero. Like, he doesn't pass the ball well. He's a decent screener, but he's not a huge lob threat. He doesn't finish. He can't shoot. And I think that once they got him out of there, you know, it, shooting in tight quarters around the rim worked for them the rest of the tournament, but in this game was not going to work just because, you know, Klingon could, he got a couple cheap fouls. I thought he could just put his arms up. You can't shoot over him. Sonogo was really active throughout this game. An underrated thing I think that is going to, that people need to notice though, you know, Andre Jackson didn't have a huge offensive output in this game, but his defense on Matt Bradley throughout this game uh, was instrumental. I thought it really, really hurt uh, San Diego State. Yeah, and San Diego State started this game hot, right? I mean, the Butler comes out and hits a three. Tremel hits a three. They're four for five from the field. It looks like, okay, well, San Diego State, they came to play tonight. If these guys couple, can shoot A couple like, sloppy passes from UConn, and you're like, oh, well, okay, well, what's going on here? Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. We, do, do we, dare I say we have a game? You know, that's how it <laughs> felt a little bit. And then UConn just continued to weather the storm. I mean, they had eight made field goals by eight different players. Um, at one point there in the first half. And with about 8.50 to go in the first half, I don't know about you. I mean, it just felt like it was 20 to 12. UConn had gotten an eight-point lead. Felt like it could have been 10-plus at that point. And it felt like we uh, had already entered the danger zone. And you and I, and I think pretty much America at large, as they've talked about this UConn team, and it's almost going to be a running joke at this point, and it still is a question in my mind, is like, can UConn win a close game? I'm not sure. (laughs) <laughs> because they never had to play one. And, and this game, it'll, by the 850 mark, it was over. It'll be one of the great questions that looms over college basketball <laughs> history. You know, what if what if Kendall, you know, what if Kendall Marshall hadn't broken his wrist, right? What if uh, there are just a lot of great what ifs. We're just going to, years from now, the detractors are going to go, you know, what if they'd been in a close game? And I think it's 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 going to haunt Dan Hurley, I think, for years. He's going to wake up in cold sweats uh, wondering <laughs> Wondering, about yeah. Can, can I win in a close game? <laughs> and the funniest part was at halftime, right? They get Hurley. Um, you know, they're up 12, 36-24. They missed the bunny there right at the end of the half. A lot of the, the gamblers in the world were very upset because I think the over-under was set at 60. Um, you know, I, we don't keep up with those things all the time. But this was the fewest points in the half since 2011 title game, which is a nice nod to this is UConn's kind of night. And I thought Hurley, you know, he said to Tracy, quote, we should be up by 20, which I was like, yes, anyone watching this game would agree with that. And also he was asked about the officials first and foremost, (laughs) and it was the most Dan Hurt, like, you know, I know he's been going to therapy. I know he's worked really hard about like talking bad to officials. And he, he had like, you know, when you put like a beer in front of an alcoholic, like he was like, I don't need that. You know, like Tracy was like, what about these officials? And he's like, They've been physical tonight, obviously, but I love these three refs. You know, and he was like biting his tongue. He was he's about to say something, and I was Blood really proud ran of down him. Down his chin, yeah, yeah. It was it was, it was, it was a big yeah. it was a big moment for Dan Hurley because you know he and the officials they have obviously their own battle every single game. But when he kind of held himself together there at halftime, that's when I thought, okay, UConn's got this one in the bag. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. couple notes that I wanted to throw into, like, over the flow of this game was uh, Steve Fisher really just relieved to have a guy older than him sitting in front of him for this game. Right, Jim uh, Dutcher. I, 
yeah, I thought that that was that was a great move. I thought that that was really important for him. Didn't have to stand up. Didn't have some <laughs> some some jag off standing in front of him. Uh, and then uh, there was there was a point uh, Tate, during this game. Uh, it, it, this game, you're right. This game seemed like at different times that it was like teetering on just the dam totally bursting. Uh, at three fifteen in the first half, there was a sequence where you know San Diego State got a deflection. And they got a run out and it looked like, oh, maybe a little momentum here. And then they immediately turn it over. And Andre Jackson makes an awesome. It kind of reminded me of that R.J. Barrett pass to Cam Reddish at at, uh, at the Yum Center a few years ago where he just sort of like, I think I don't know if he bounced it between his legs, but he definitely low bounced it to, uh, I forget, was it Calcaterra that hit the three? Yeah, it was Calcaterra that hit the three. Yeah, yeah. make it 36-20, yep. And, we, and I think all of, all of America collectively just went, that's game, uh, unfortunately, <laughs> and, and but no, but they they fought back and I, they were lucky. I, I mean, I thought the script of this played out for San Diego. It it played out the way every game during this tournament has. My question for you is: Do you think this would have been even more interesting? Would have been would it have been any more interesting if Florida Atlantic had made it to this point rather than San Diego State? I think that's like uh, something that will seep in the back of my mind for quite some time. The other thing that I kept thinking about while I was watching San Diego State was obviously, you know, I was at the Maui Invitational. I've said that multiple times, but San Diego State finished fourth in the Maui Invitational, right? And Creighton finished second. And Creighton is a team that I watched beat UConn this year at home. So I kept thinking to myself, like Creighton, obviously it comes down to that that foul that, you know, there's a lot of questions about it, but, you know, we all agree his hand was on his hip, so a foul was fine to be called. But if even Creighton was in this game and UConn had to think about that and it was like a conference foe that they've seen before that knows them well, is it more of a game? You know, because San Diego State wins one-point games back-to-back that one is an amazing shot, one is a free throw that seals it. Um, there's all the what ifs that you can play in your mind. I think Florida Atlantic, just because of Vlad Golden, would at least have given them a, a look that they would have to. Like, I think Sonogo would have had to look up to somebody for the first time, right? It, it felt like he was eye level or towering <laughs> over whoever was guarding him the entire time I've watched them. So at least Vlad Golden would have given them a little, you know, a little bit of a look to, to make UConn think about it. But in reality, I think you and I both know, I, I don't think FAU is going to come in this game and beat UConn, to be honest. I, I really don't. No, I think they would have been lured into playing a, a more similar kind of style to what UConn would have done. And I actually think that would have led to a bigger blowout. We've seen, like, do not be lured into doing that. We saw Gonzaga. Uh, it's just, I don't Creighton would have been interesting. Like, conference foes in the Final Four, I've experienced this, um, well, I mean, I've experienced, like, a rival in the Final Four. Uh, it's, it is really, really bad for your life expectancy. It, it lowers it quite a bit. I yeah, I lost 10 it. years last year against Duke, and Carolina won. So I can't imagine if they lost. I'd probably be dead right now. It really is tough. Uh, I wanted to point out, too, something that I forgot was that Sonogo actually played at the Patrick School with Jonathan Kaminga. Can you imagine that <laughs> high school front court? Can you imagine that high school front court? Seriously, right. like uh, blocking those guys out like uh, that's that's bonkers. Um, I was also laughing that uh, Bill Raftery, our guy, he just flat out recycled the joke he made last week or, or this weekend <laughs> with his fluids joke. Uh, just pulled it right back out, played the hits. Uh, and he was just kind of dogging Tristan Newton throughout the the end of this game. I don't know if you noticed this. He was like, got to get it out of his hands. And then, <laughs> and then sort of backpedaled and complimented him. I just, I was enjoying Raph throughout this. Uh, and that's the other thing, man. Big, big changing of the guard. I, I didn't nail the gymnance. The, 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 I, th- I thought that 
he didn't really go for it with it with his tag after UConn won the title, did he? I mean, he kind of it was it was sort of a generic. Um, I thought he'd go bigger. I'm not disappointed in Nance overall, but I did think that he would swing a little more than that. I think that you know, and I was talking to Kyle even when he opened the broadcast. Um, you know, he he started out you know kind of tiptoeing around what was happening, which is this is his last you know call in Space City. You know, with his alma mater. I mean, he had a nice Kelvin Sampson moment late in the game where he wanted to shout out his alma mater, which I appreciated that. But Grant Hill kind of set him up, and he was like, you know, one last run for the GOAT. And, you know, you talk about our boy Raftery. Raftery interrupted and then was like, yeah, this is one for the kids. This is going to be the big night for the kids. <laughs> he had that shit cocked like a pistol. <laughs> yeah. and I, don't know if he was, I don't know if he was just ribbing Jim Nance or he didn't want even listening to Grant Hill. But Grant Hill, like, tried to set up the moment early on for Jim Nance, oh, and they and they sidestepped it, and, and Raftery definitely just stepped all over it. So that was that was a little fascinating. And like you said, I mean, his final call was the Huskies have their dreams come true. I mean, that that's something that if someone tweeted at me, that's his final call. I'm like, you know, thumbs down. You know, nah, Chuck Norris, yeah. right? We we can we can do better than that. I I think the best thing that he did was, um, you know, as the broadcast was fading out, he said everybody has a dream and everybody has a story to tell. And he got a little choked up, you know. You could t- tell in the back of his throat, a little tickle was coming on. And he said, thank you for being my friend. Oh, that and, hit, though. That and that great. one hit. And and, I, and that's when I was like, okay, th- this is the Jim Nance that we needed. And I don't know if the producer was in his ear and was like, Jim, you got to give us something, right? <laughs> like, you got, like, we need a clip. We're going to clip something out. Um, but that was the most, um, like, pure Jim Nance moment that we saw all night. Because he opened the broadcast with dream on, dream until your dreams come true. I mean, as oh, Kyle wow. said to Little me, Aerosmith. what is he, Bill Walton? Is that, like, yeah, is that a Bill Walton quotable? <laughs> yeah, did Bill Walton feed in that line? Tate, I was just going to let you know, I've appreciated being on the Bill Simmons podcast. <laughs> <if> you, uh, <laughs> Motherfucker. <laughs> let me just tell you, I, uh, I, we debated, should we cut that out? But it's too good to, I, I mean, wouldn't let it. I made an good. executive decision. There's no way that was coming out. It's, it's so good. I don't know what Bill Walton was doing tonight, but, uh, he, you know, he's a legend in he's our hearts giant. forever. Yeah. He's a he giant. He can't forever. be deterred from being himself, which is an incredible, for some people, that's not a good thing for Bill Walton. It's a very much a good thing. This is where the deal goes down. This is where <laughs> there was a lot of, there were a lot of goodies in that I was, I was like spitting my drink out listening to that. I was, I was spitting awesome. my drink out trying to react to it <laughs> Your live face, in the moment. Dude. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I saw they put the video up. I'm sure that like it's absolutely <laughs> jarring. Uh, so go check that out if you're going on YouTube, the Ringer YouTube channel. Um, one other Nance moment. <laughs> Another Nance moment that I really wanted to point out that I thought was great. Uh, the I'm score crying. was 53 to 41, and Nance shouted out the 2011 score, which was 53 to 41. Um, obviously, Butler was up 22 19 at halftime. One of the worst title games I've ever seen, 2011. Um, but I thought that was a nice, like, even Raftery was like, look at that recourse, you know? Like, that was a, that was a nice <laughs> yeah. Jim Nance moment. And we have to mention at 747 in the second half, San Diego State goes on a 9-0 run. They cut it to 56-50, and Jim Nance gets the we got a ball game. So as much as this game was completely out of hand, at least we had a moment where there was maybe a little bit of tightness for UConn, and maybe the fans at home could have a little bit of fun. But immediately, Jordan Hawkins hits a big three, (laughs) and, you know, it's over. Yeah, he was he was a splash, a literal a splash uh, of a make, but a splash of of cold water. And I, I think that this is sort of you know we you're right about like the thing that you mentioned about like with the guards over the years that we think of the guards for UConn, but the bigs are really part. You know, the bigs are just as big a part of the story. You know, this was kind of a classic 
uh, Calhouni kind of a like build to this team. If you go back and you look at like their 04 team, they had, you know, they, it was just like a crazy swath of bigs like Okafor and Villanueva and Josh Boone and Hilton Josh Armstrong. Boone, um, you know, those, those were just some huge, huge teams. Um, but, uh, this, this was a team that was big, but you know, it had like an updated sort of identity in the way that they used their shooting because a lot of those those bigs were operating with the way, you know, every time Jordan Hawkins lifts, you can't turn your head and look at Sonogo. You got to go with Hawkins. So that kind of puts your big guy on an island. And ultimately, San Diego State's their their bigs as effective as they were in other situations. I just never thought Sonogo was missing, man. Everything he put up, right. I thought it was in. Every shot that the UConn shot, I thought was in. They just looked confident throughout this 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 uh, this tournament and this game. And to be honest, I thought that Sonogo should have been more involved in this game. You know, I mean, it felt like he was unstoppable at a certain level. But you know, they have so many options on the offensive end that it's like, okay, well, I'm open. Caravan take the shot. I'm open. Hawkins take the shot. And I thought Bill Raftery really got it. Uh, you know, he kept saying, get the puppies organized. You know, he loves Jordan Hawkins on the on the one dribble pull up. And uh, I feel like as an NBA guy, the only rough note that you could say for Hawkins was that missed dunk to open the half, right? When he missed that dunk, that was like, uh, oh, wow, could that be a bad omen type thing? But again, UConn could have all the bad omens in the world, but they just have more talent on the basketball court. And, you know, I, even Dan Hurley was trying to, to seem like he was trying to keep things calm, even as the lead was stretching out late in this game. It gets under a minute. Newton has the basketball. Like you said, Raftery is like, get it out of his hands. Get it out of his hands. You know, <laughs> and then, you know, Dan Hurley's like doing Newton, a fist man. bump to the crowd. You know what I mean? And that was the that was the first time where it was like, oh, wow, this is really setting in. This is actually happening. Dan Hurley, the little brother of Bobby Hurley, who was always kind of like, you know, the stepchild that nobody wanted to talk to. He's now the center of college basketball, right? I mean, that that is the, the big story. And it, it is cool that these are both sons of coaches, right? You know, that that I'm I'm a sucker for that. You know, me and my my dad's a coach, so I'm not, but my dad is. Um, so I I have a I have a soft spot for the coaches, and especially, you know, as a younger brother, to see the younger brother get the win. So I mean. As much as I've been hard on Dan Hurley, it was a nice moment, and I was happy that he waited and and celebrated and reacted in the way that he did because he he could have acted like a total a hole. I mean, because they dominated, you know, they they dominated from the jump of this tournament. Other than Rick Pitino being up at halftime, they they literally have not seen anybody the entire run. And we got to make sure we give Rick Pitino credit for that. You know, I really want to, <laughs> of course, I just want to make sure we really take a second here to make sure that we praise Rick Pitino. Really I, get I just this think brand of podcasts. I'm so happy about it. <laughs> yeah. I, I, uh, sorry. I, uh, I think that, um, I don't know, like Hurley going forward, I could see being just a delightful foil for the rest of college. Like, you know what I mean? I, I feel like he, I just feel like a nice character has emerged on the on the map. You know, if you zoom out and you look at the college basketball landscape, like it's like a J.R. Tolkien map or something. <laughs> I, I just see I see this kind of I see this powerful force sort of rising up that is like going to be a nice pain in the ass. Uh, just because his personality, his personality is a little, you know, Calhoun was pretty brash, but I don't know. It wasn't quite the same. I, I feel like Hurley has that like just sort of bleeding over the edges enthusiasm like what's he gonna say what's he gonna do oh this guy is just like wears his heart on his sleeve in a way that's 
really entertaining. And I, I could see it being a fun sort of because uh, I, don't, I don't think he's going to leave. Do you? It doesn't seem no. like a stepping stone thing. It's a blue blood, as we've established. I mean, this is uh, they earned it. I think he's probably going to be there for a while, I would imagine. Dan Hurley is the first coach I've ever seen draw a charge himself while coaching. So when I saw that, I was like, this man has passion unmatched. It just needs to be contained at some level. And the good news for UConn fans and for fans of Dan Hurley is that he really has, it seems, tried to address that issue. And, and the issue was that, I mean, he used to be straight up like steaming. Like there used to be smoke coming out of his ears like he was a Looney Tunes character when he was on the sidelines and he wasn't getting calls, especially when Jeffrey Anderson was refing. And he loved calling people clowns. I've, I've pointed that out multiple times. So the fact that he curbed that, and also when they play non-conference opponents, they're 17-0 and this season. They took the fact that they weren't ranked preseason as a, as a snub. They put it, they use it as a chip on their shoulder. They did the classic, like, we're great in November, we're great in December, we kind of chill in January, and then we pick up the pieces mid-February and we go on a real run. Like, that's the, that's the classic blue blood way to go win a championship. I mean, look at the Roy Williams model. This guy did it like a genius. I mean, in 09, when they beat the blood out of everybody, they lost their first two ACC games to Boston College with Tyrese Rice and Wake Forest. Who, I mean, obviously, Wake Forest had Jeff Teague and James Johnson, a really good team. But North Carolina was 0-2 in conference, and people were saying, oh, not the juggernaut that we thought they were. What's going on with Tyler Hansbro, and then you fast forward to March and they're beating the brakes off everybody. That's what UConn did this year. And it was right in our face. And I think, you know, myself included, there were times where you try to talk yourself out of it, but they were just so much, they were just so well put together and they're so talented. And if anything, I think, you know, people underrated some of their best players like Tristan Newton, right? I mean, this guy's a transfer yeah. from ECU. Um, you know, a lot of people would not expect him to be one of the most important players in this game. But the guy almost has a triple-double. And guess what? That would have been his third triple-double this season. You know, he was a mismatch. And, we, and he wasn't even the guy that people talked about preseason. So, if anything, the AP poll is on the fraudulent list. And this UConn team deserves a whole lot of credit for being who they are. And they're a really talented group. Yeah, it's pretty funny that like I don't know. I'm not I'm not acting like the AP is uh is like a total void of information, but I mean, but it is kind of funny that these people who are in basketball would take that so seriously that they would take <laughs> the opinions of sort of like, you know, to use the Logan Roy not, you know, not serious people as it comes to is it is it, it uh, applies to basketball and get that motivated by it. But like throughout the, the throughout the season, I mean, the, you know, some of the, the signs were there. Um, you know, they beat Alabama by 15 at one point. They went on the road to Florida and won by 21. They played in a really tough conference. Like we said, they wobbled. But we saw in this tournament that like a lot of these teams that were in the Big East, we we talked about them being enjoyable to watch this year. Um, they were in a tough conference that scouted them, that knew them well, obviously, and they wobbled a little bit. But these were teams that succeeded in the tournament that were legitimate. So maybe that threw us off the scent a little bit, but UConn, man. Um, it's amazing. It's 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 amazing that they don't. Um, they have a rabid fan base too, though. I don't. I don't want to gatekeep Tate. You know, I don't. I don't really know what it is. I don't know what even the hesitation is to join the the blue blood thing. I feel like you and I are like members of Augusta National, wearing <laughs> our you know our bathrobe. Yeah, Condoleezza Rice cigars. is outside. She's knocking on the door, and she's like, "I should be in here. I should be on Amen Corner. I should be playing." And I'm like, 
You're right. You should be. What, what What's the hold up here? Um, but I do remember when they played St. John's and they lost, you know, I mean, that's the, that, the other tough part about this is like, I watched UConn when they did lose in the big East. And, you know, unfortunately for me, those games will sit in my brain a little bit, but that's also, this is conference play. You can wipe it away. And in my, my blue blood explanation explanation. And the reason I've always kind of stayed stringent with it is there are, in my mind, there are five starters on a basketball court. There are five spots for the Blue Bloods legitimately. I always put UCLA because they have 11 national championships. I always put Kentucky, Carolina because they're one and two yin and yang in most tournament wins. UK has eight titles. Carolina has six titles or seven titles if you count 1924 like I do. But, you know, those those three are all in. Uh, number four, you got, you know, obviously we're talking about Kansas, who is Wilt Chamberlain. They created fans. Um, you know, they brought Dean Smith to North Carolina. I mean, there, there is a r- lot of reasons why Kansas. Adolph Rupp cut coach there, of man. Course. I mean, so James just, Naismith coached right, there. It's right. kind of the, if you want to say what's the Mesopotamia of the game, I, I think Kansas has a, has as good an argument as anyone. Honestly. Right. So they're, yeah. they're those four to me, like lock those in, like, like always locked in, not moving Mount Rushmore, even though I don't know if you can say Mount Rushmore, but you know, they're locked in with their four. And then the fifth spot is obviously, and and I think still will be Duke in my mind. I think Duke is that fifth team. But when you work it back, and I know, you know, the Bill Foster years, um, you know, Vic Bubis, right? I, I you know, Vic, yeah, Vic Bubis <laughs> recruited my great uncle, right? I mean, to go play at Duke. So I, and Art Heyman went and played at Duke over him. So I, I know Duke has history before Coach K, but at the end of the day, the five championships came with one coach. So I understand and and I get why if you're a UConn fan, you say we have success not just under one coach. We have success outside of Jim Calhoun. We have Kevin Ollie. We have Dan Hurley now. And we've won five since 1999. Why can't we have that fifth spot? And I heard Coach K on his radio show, Kyle, man. I don't know if you saw this. He said UConn is a surefire blue blood. Um, and there's no question about it. He said Jim, Jim Calhoun is the best program builder in basketball history. And when I heard him say that, I said, okay, well, there's five spots. Duke was in my fifth spot, but it sounds like Coach K is willing to bend the knee. Sounds like he's willing to remove Duke and let UConn be the fifth team. So that that is, I mean, that's the only takeaway I can have from that. So for me, when I look at my Blue Bloods, maybe there's a world in which I update it and I have UConn over Duke. I don't know. We'll think about it. We'll think about it. That's just where I'm at right now. Wow, that's amazing that he would just sort of relinquish his spot in history right. like that. We've already had his assistants like undermining his legacy and stuff. It's I don't know. Man. I'm not saying that we should just phase him out completely, but we should talk about it. I think we should have a serious right. conversation about right. it. Um, and, you know, he, it was his idea, so I don't know. I that it came from the source, man. So maybe I, don't I put Kay and Bob Knight in their own category because that's the other part. You got the, the for me, the blue bloods are blue. You know, and and anybody that says otherwise, I I roll my eyes at, uh, and that's why I've designated Indiana their own tribe as the True Bloods. They don't like it, but that they got to deal with it. Um, so maybe maybe Duke can go over with Bob Knight and Coach K and Bob Knight can can get together, maybe hash some things out together. They are peas in a pod, I right? Mean, let's, they're let's they're very similar, like and they're they're really yeah. army guys at their heart. So I mean, it is what it is. But I don't know. I mean, UConn is now going to be. That is going to be the fun question in college basketball, especially if Dan Hurley continues to make Sweet Six. I mean, the reason why UConn, there's an argument that they're not, is because they had won one tournament game since 2014 before this run. They've missed a lot of tournaments in between the 1999 to 2023. So it's not like they've been a consistent winner. But when they get there, 
They make things happen. They get it done. They win the big thing. And that's really what matters. So I don't know. I think it's going to be a conversation you and I, uh, as fellow Blue Bloods, can have for quite some time. But I want to be fair to UConn and say, you deserve to be in the conversation. That That is fair. That is fair to say. And I would not have said that before they won this championship. Yeah. And it is uh, it is amazing. And it just shows you how this tournament can, um, you know, uh, all you got to do is just kind of put it together a few times. And, it, and it's, it's also amazing the way a tournament can, um, you know, they, they ended this tournament well, but it's just amazing how the tournament can totally morph the way you feel about a season. You know, this, this past season, all you got to do is win six games in a row, you know, like I've been through it where we've had miserable, horrible seasons and then then we do great in the tournament. And I'm like, great year. Sounds great. Awesome. (laughs) Uh, and I know you've been through that too, but, uh, it's a cruel sport, Tate. That's just what I'm going to say. It's a it's a cruel sport where you can have an incredible season and it can be over on one weird night. But UConn did not have any of those nights during this tournament. Um, going forward, like we said, I think they're going to lose a lot of people. I mean, I'm, I'm sure they're going to lose. Yeah, I don't know if Sonogo's going to. Sonogo's a junior, right? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah. Klingon might come out. You know, Jordan Hawkins is going to come out. Um, they may have to do a little bit of a reset, but I feel like the brand is strong. The seed, you know, the seed is strong. I feel like they they are in a good position to keep this rolling. Yeah, and I mean, looking at Klingon, right? I mean, this guy, I mean, he only plays 13 minutes per game. And shout out to CB, CBB Analytics, they put this out. He leads the entire nation in rebounds per 40 minutes with 17.3. And that's above the reigning national player of the year and Oscar Shibway, who's at 16.3, and then Zach Eady, who just won it this year, who's also at 16.3 per 40. So, I mean, when you just talk about the impact of Klingon, I mean, there's going to be a world in which NBA scouts and whoever are the people are going to get word back to him and say, son, we'd like to see you come out and uh, we'd like to give you a chance at being a first-round pick. So that'll be fascinating because he seemingly loves UConn. It kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, 2017 when Carolina won and Tony Bradley was on the bench. And, you know, after the game, I'm like, man, I can't wait to see Tony Bradley come back next year, win ACC Player of the Year. And uh, his people were like, no, he's going to the draft. They've already I didn't understand that one. Yeah. I didn't understand that one. I didn't even know whether I didn't know. I didn't understand any aspect of that. Why he came out, why the jazz took him. I didn't, sorry to Tony Bradley, but I, I just didn't, I didn't get that one. So I, I don't think that well, that's what happens, the same right? You watch Klingon, one in yeah. the tournament and it happens to the NBA execs, it happens to scouts, it happens to everybody, whatever it is, when you see them on that stage, it just, there's a certain type of glimmer and you, you can talk yourself into a lot of guys. And I feel like Klingon, he passes the eye test and then you go to the analytics and you're like, this guy is going to be something special right and that's what I think he's the the one guy on UConn that if it comes out that Klingon's coming back you know you're talking about this team's going to be preseason top five and they're going to reload in the portal they're going to find a Hawkins replacement right and all of a sudden here we go UConn's back in the conversation and maybe Dan Hurley gets that preseason ranking he's been waiting for yeah, and then we'll see if he can stay motivated if people believe in him, you know, if these clowns can uh, can get off their ass and make a correct <laughs> right. prediction. I mean, Klingon has things to work on. You know, I'm sure we'll talk more about this on our, our draft show. So it's not like he's like a, a finished product right now, but I mean, his performance in the tournament accelerated that conversation. I think it's not, it didn't put him on the map. Maybe it did for some people who aren't familiar with him, but we'd watch him throughout the year and be like, you know, this backup for Sunoco is pretty interesting. Pretty good. And I think he he kind of, he accelerated some of that conversation, but it, it absolutely would not surprise me if he came back. So, yeah. Um, yeah. 
And what I gather is that his parents, uh, you know, I, I got a friend of the program close to the Connecticut program. His parents apparently told him at the Big East tournament they want him to come back. So I think there's some push for him to come back and develop. I think Hurley has kind of sold him on that. Again, he's a Bristol, Connecticut kid, right? He's a homegrown kid. Connecticut is a basketball state, you know? I mean, these people love basketball. They then feed for basketball. Then let's stop. Let's stop gatekeeping then, Tate. Let's right. just stop. I think that's, but that, to me, that's part of it. To me, that's part of it is like the, the basketball in your, in like the cultural kind of fiber of where you live. That's what I always say, tell people about here. I'm always like, you guys don't understand. You just don't understand. Like you go to, you go to pick up a six pack of beer and there's going to be some old guy talking about a four star recruit that's under ranked or something mm -hmm. like people don't get this shit. And like in Connecticut, they love basketball. I'm not going to begrudge them anymore. You know, I, I, I think that that's, that's a big thing for me. You know, there you go. How, Connecticut, how come on down. With it, are they? Come yeah. on down. You're a basketball state. You get it. You got the women's championships. You got the five men's championships. And you've done it with different coaches. So there you go. Connecticut, you did it. Going for your first ever run around the park. Literally running errands all over town. Running for the finish line and your personal best. If you run, you're a runner. Find the shoes and clothes to run your way at newbalance.com slash running. New Balance. Run your way. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. Uh, one thing I really wanted to shout out that we haven't hit yet, which I think is a, a really big note and probably one of the most important notes because we've seen him at Xavier throughout the years. We've seen him at Louisville throughout the years. And we kept waiting for this man to finally get to the biggest stage and make things happen. And of course, I'm talking about Luke Murray. Uh, Luke Murray, assistant coach for UConn. Um, what a job by him. I, I, Luke has always been very nice to me. I think he's a great basketball coach. Obviously has to live in the shadow of his dad, Bill Murray, a little bit. But it was great to see Luke have such a big stage. And he recruited a lot of these guys to UConn that ended up being the guys who made this thing happen. And then to see Bill Murray uh, finally get to celebrate a national championship. What a win for America. You know, and, and all the, uh, you know, conversation about how this is a bad tournament and nobody wants to watch. Ratings are down, blah, blah, blah. Bill Murray won the freaking national championship. So let, let's celebrate that, baby. I mean, I think we got to ask the question again. Did did Luke Murray just undermine Bill Murray's entire career? I th I feel like he's not in the shadow at all anymore. Right. Um. And he, and you know, it's nice to see something go go well for 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 Bill Murray for once, right? <laughs> yeah, like right. you know, finally. <laughs> I just. <laughs> but yeah, that that was a cool. It's uh, I enjoyed the neck scarf that Bill had going on the last game. I didn't get to see a crowd shot of him at this one. I, he was in the building. I would assume he was correct? in the building. He was in the building, I, and uh, you. You know, you also had Bobby Hurley, of course, in the building, Bob Hurley in the building, which is another shout out because this tournament, obviously early on, we had Princeton upsetting Arizona. We had Fairleigh Dickinson with the huge upset over Purdue. You know where I'm heading here. Bob Hurley, one of the greatest coaches in New Jersey history, high school history. Another win for New Jersey. This was New Jersey's tournament. And uh, I know Connecticut, obviously, we're giving you your credit, but 
we got a tip of the cap to New Jersey because New Jersey is also a basketball state, very under the radar basketball state. A lot of people say bad things about New Jersey, um, you know, but in my mind, you should go watch the movie Garden State. It's a great movie. Maybe it'll make you like New Jersey a little bit more. But also Bob Hurley's a legend. And uh, to see his youngest son, the one that is kind of, like I said, forgotten a little bit, win a championship, I felt like I had to give New Jersey a shout out as well. A lot of pedigree in that family. A lot of pedigree that expanded tonight. Um, yeah, happy, happy, happy for them. Happy for, the, for for a family clearly eaten up with it, as we say. Um, yeah, congrats to you, come man. Yeah, it was a big one. Um, Kyle, anything that you took away from this game? Uh, any, any national championship thoughts? Was it was it as, as great as you thought it was going to be? Um, I, I wanted it to be, so, uh, you know, I just, oh, oh, a lot of my buddies who like think I'm some sort of expert, um, and they're just a frolic group guys. So what do they know? Can anyways? I talk to these guys? Can I talk yeah, to them? Yeah, they're coming on the podcast for sure. <laughs> We've got a couple. Um, and they were just like, they were so down on it. And they were like, this is the fucking worst tournament ever. I was playing golf with a couple dudes today and, uh, they were, that was just like the topic of conversation. It just kind of pissed me off. Cause I got to come into this empty warehouse and watch games with my buddy Tate here and then you know, podcasts about them. So I didn't want the narrative to be the worst thing ever. So I just sort of decided this wasn't the worst tournament ever. And I maybe even pushed back like, no, dude, it's awesome. Have you even been watching? So, um, yeah, I just, I've had a positive attitude. Uh, you know, maybe it was a little Bill Walton uh, rubbing off on me, but I, Shine just, on. I just was shining on this whole tournament here. I wanted to just make sure, you know, everybody had a good time. Yeah, we all just wanted to have a good time. And tonight, at least we had a game at one point and Jim Nance got to say that. I do think very similar to Mr. K, I think there's a world in which Jim Nance could still come back. You know, I, yeah. I, think it, I think it might not be over because if you're Jim Nance, you're looking at the portal, you're seeing guys like LJ Cryer get in the portal. You're talking yourself into maybe Kelvin Sampson gets in there, gets in the mix, brings him into Houston, builds a contender for next year. You like Phoenix. Who doesn't? You can go to Scottsdale, play some golf. I don't know. I, I mean, our guy, Ian Eagle, we're ready for him. We can't wait. But I don't know. I, I feel like Nance can't go out like this. This can't be Nance's I, last dance. Ian has a lot going on. He's a great guy. I, you know, I, I think that he he's and he's you know he's he's a younger guy too. I think he, there's some there's plenty of time. There's right. plenty of time for him for him to uh, to 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 step into this role. But I yeah I could see I could see Nance getting a little itchy, pulling the trigger, saying you know just when I thought I was out they 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 sucked me back in. I, I could see him doing that. Mm. Well, there you go. Um, honestly, Kyle, man, I don't really have many more thoughts. I mean, this was a game I was hoping, I was praying, I was wishing that we would have a tight one. I wanted UConn, like I said, and I joked. I wanted them to win a close game. Fortunately for them, they're so good they didn't have to win a close game. And now they're the 2023 national champions. And there's nothing that we can say to discredit that. There's nothing that anyone should say to discredit that. They just absolutely dominated everybody. They're not the most dominant team ever. Obviously, you know, you, you can go back and, and, and cherry pick the teams that probably check those boxes, but they're in the conversation and, and there's an argument that could be made. And, and I think that's enough for UConn fans. Hopefully they can finally sit back, relax, enjoy the win, savor the win and not attack everybody for not calling them a blue blood. That's what we hope for. Yeah, I think, you know, in the Oscars and the Grammys and all these awards and things, and year by year, we try to look back and say, like, okay, the people that got the the hardware were the were culturally the people that mattered the most. They were the best at what they were doing at that time. We don't always get that right. I think we, we mess up the awards sometimes. And in this weird tournament, it makes me feel, I feel satisfied because, uh, I mean, I'm dissatisfied because I'm a miserable Kentucky fan, but... Um, I'm, I'm satisfied in that 
I think we got a champion that was a good team. You know, if someone else had won, they would have been a worthy champion. But I, I think in this year of our Lord, I, I think that Connecticut was a deserving team, and uh, they 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 were well deserving, and they they were they were a great champion, a great basketball team. And they deserved it, and they were built to win it all. I mean, seventeen and zero in the non conference. Uh, they had the bigs, they had the wings, they had the guards, they had every single box checked. They played great defense. They did all the right things. I mean, that, that's all you can really ask for in this world of college basketball. So, again, congrats to the UConn Huskies. Um, I think that's all we really got here. I mean, you know, San Diego State, obviously. I mean, what a run, historic run for them. San Diego State's the definition of a new blood. Brian Dutcher said that they were, you know, the number two most applied to college in America. He expects them to be number one after this run. I hope so because, I mean, San Diego State, we need them on the West Coast to be a basketball powerhouse as someone that's in Los Angeles. Um, I think it's good for the sport to have someone on the West Coast outside of UCLA and Gonzaga to kind of represent that banner. I got I got in trouble, Kyle, man. I used to say Arizona was on the West Coast, and then Arizona people got mad at me. So now I have to leave them as their own separate thing. It's kind of like the UConn Blue Blood Conference. You know, people get very particular about where you label them, and I don't like to label people that don't want to so be So where labeled. are they? Just yeah. the desert? They oh, said the that, Southwest? They, they said okay. Southwest. Right, um, that's what they the would prefer. They were, cla- the they were claiming the Southwest uh, very hard. They're desert people. Very hard. Well, very upset. <laughs> Said about me saying they're a West Coast team. So it's great for San Diego State. Um, they're going to be okay. This was a, you know, a run that they'll remember for quite some time. They're going to be back. They're going to be in the fold. And look, they never made it past the Sweet 16 until this season. So the fact that you make a Final Four, you can hang the banner, you know, that that's all you want in Viejas Center. And, and those fans are passionate. They're going to go crazy. And it just never felt like, you know, like you said, I mean, UConn checks all the boxes of like, that is the best team this season, even though we couldn't figure it out for quite some time. San Diego State, if they had won the title, they would have been deserving, but I'm not sure we could have had that same declaration. So it's it's nice that we, I feel like we got a settled point. You know, we, get, we, got, a, we got our best team. We got our champion. It makes sense. I can take it. I can marinate on it, and I'll be happy about it. And uh, that's all you want in college basketball. That's all you want in a single elimination tournament. That's all you can really ask for. So, yeah, there you go. Congratulations to UConn. Kyle, man, anything else before we get out of here? No. Uh, I, I, there's there's going to be a lot more to sort of unpack from from this tournament, and, and uh, there's going to be plenty more for you and I to talk about, I'm sure. But uh, this was, I don't know, it's it's one of those things where you feel like it flew by, but then you also feel like this was, uh, it was just packed full of, that. that's the other part of it. This was so jam-packed full of conversation and watching and uh, 805 beers with, uh, <laughs> with you and Kyle. And uh, yeah, yeah, Kyle at one point drank like a 30-foot beer, mm. I think. Um, and and the, that, the that was fun. Yeah, that <laughs> well, was that's his just starter. That goes to show you, you can't go into any bar and just say, give me the big boy glass because they'll bring you a fucking baseball bat. Right. Of right. Yeah, that thing was, that thing was like a Dr. Seuss funny car vehicle or what something. Bill I don't, even... don't let Kyle get too drunk. Yeah. The first thing right. And I'm like, he's drinking Das boot right now. Don't worry. <laughs> we'll just have one of those. No, it was jam packed, man. And you know, you, you talk about like San Diego state, this is something they're going to remember forever. You know, like I, I went to, I'm a Moorhead state grad. I was not a good enough student to go to UK. Cause people always ask me that. They're like, Oh, will you root for UK? Wait, in, in these States, it's like, if you go to one of the smaller schools, you do the dual citizenship, you know, of course. I grew up. Yes. Yeah. You go to Elon, thing. you pull for Carolina. It's the same thing. Yeah. 
You can do both. You mm-hmm. can do both. It's okay. But like, you know, we had, we had like a little tournament run where, you know, we didn't win it all. We won. We got like one win and we talked about that fondly forever. And San Diego state's going to remember this. Those dudes are never going to buy drinks again. Uh, hopefully they don't exploit that, but uh, <laughs> hopefully they do. Actually, I changed my mind in real time here, but you know, they, they also got, uh, they got a great moment in the final four, man. I mean, like they got a moment that's going to, that's going to endure. I thought that that you don't see a lot of game winners at the, in the final four. So, you know, congrats to San Diego State, too, for all in a great season. Right. And they're going to have a great moment and one shiny moment. I haven't watched that video back yet, but I know that they're going to have their their shine, of course. And uh, look, at the end of the day, I know we're saying UConn, congratulations on the win. But the real winner, as always, in college basketball, as we both know, Kyle, man, is Nike. Nike does it again. They got a <laughs> Nike championship. It was Nike versus Adidas. Both Adidas teams were eliminated in the Final Four, and it's Nike versus Nike's vanity brand, Jordan, in the title game. And guess what? Nike wins again. Yeah, man. Those classic. I was My wife's a graphic designer, and that's one of the few things that I can get her to look up from her Kindle to pay attention to uh, is uh, I was just like, man, lettering on those Connecticut jerseys. Always been. I've just been jealous. Right. The little Husky logo. It's the clean. The side panels. It just looks so fucking good, man. And I'm just, I'm jealous that they've kept a really good design over the decades that just, it's just timeless. It's timeless. You got a good thing going on, Connecticut. There you go, Connecticut. You heard it from Kyle Mann there. Uh, I'm going to use the words of Jim Nance. Thank you for being my friend during this March run, Kyle Mann. We we threw this together. Uh, one Shining Podcast started on Mar- March 1st. There wasn't <laughs> really... It's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. It's been one month. Uh, we had no clear path. We were in the wilderness. And, uh, you know, you were the man that jumped up and said... I will podcast with Tate. We will talk about college basketball. So again, thank you for doing that. Thank you for being here for the ride. Excited for the shows in the off season. We can talk about the transfer portal. We can talk about the brands. We can talk about, you know, the player movement. We can talk about the coach. We got, we got lots, lots and lots to talk about. Maybe we can talk about Wimbenyama, like the rest of the world. So, I mean, a lot, a lot of stuff ahead, but I wanted to first and foremost, thank you for this journey because it's one month. It's grueling. It's not the easiest thing to do. It's late nights, especially on the East coast. So, uh, thanks for coming along for the journey and excited for more men oh my god the pleasure's mine you know often at this company i'm i'm you know virtually sort of walking around the, the halls murmuring and stammering to myself about <laughs> college basketball right and uh it was because you know i'm never there in person but i, I thought uh I, it was it was nice to, it, it's nice to have a kindred spirit and it was, it was definitely my pleasure man it was uh, it was a freaking blast and we're gonna do it again i'm gonna have i'm, I'm looking forward to it yeah next year we'll be in phoenix uh all of us kyle too we're, we're all gonna be you hear that everybody i'm yeah. coming too whoever's yeah. from the ringers listening yeah please bill it's on paper yeah it's have an in. iv ready yeah have an <laughs> yeah, iv right. ready have dos boot ready have it all <laughs> have it all uh there he is kyle man thanks so much kyle man appreciate you coming on the show This is the national championship game. We just did it. Congrats to the Yukon Huskies. All right. There you have it. Kyle Mann. Appreciate him. Yeah. One shining moment. Yeah, that was great. (laughs) That was great. Uh, The Bill Simmons podcast has never been hotter. (laughs) We're on fire right now. Um, Just kidding. This is one shining podcast. Uh, We are back. Um, look, this was, uh, this was a month. This, this month was a whirlwind. That's probably the best word for it. Um, you know, we started on March 1st. This podcast came back first time since 2019. Um, it felt like a car that I hadn't had in four years. And Bill said, you can hear the keys kid. You know, I felt like I was in fast and the furious. Um, and we didn't know what it was going to look like, but getting back in the saddle with myself and Kyle, I mean, it it has been uh, a real, a real great journey. Um, it's been fun trying to figure out what the show looks like moving forward. 
Um, I get to talk about, you know, one of the sports that I love so much. So it, it really is an honor and a privilege to go along for the journey. Appreciate everyone joining us as we did it. Um, some, some housekeeping stuff before we get out of here. I just wanted to note that uh, coming up on Thursday, obviously we are entering the off season right now, but on Thursday we are going to have the Ringers Brian Curtis, one of my favorite people from the Ringer universe, come on the show. We're going to break down Jim Nance's last dance. We're going to break down some of the biggest tropes from the NCAA tournament, some of the biggest media stories, some of the fallout, maybe talk about the women's game versus the men's game, right? There's a lot of stuff going on in the media space when it comes to college basketball. And he's the best wrap-up guy, so just... He's just a, he's just a wrap up legend, and uh, Brian Curtis is one of the people that I, one of the first people I met in this universe. Um, you know that Bill introduced me to. He's like he's from Texas. He'll like you, and uh, you know he is from Texas. I'm from North Carolina. Uh, we like Mac Brown. That's the one thing we have in common. So we'll probably talk about Mac Brown a little bit too. But Brian Curtis is the best. Can't wait to have him on. We're gonna have him on Thursday again to do a little recap of the season. That'll be good. I'm gonna do some of the most interesting storylines from this year and and forecast to what to look forward to as we enter the off season. So we'll get all that on Thursday. Excited about that. One other thing I wanted to announce, which I, I'm not sure it's been out to the public really yet, but it's happening because we're starting to record it tomorrow, but I'm doing a TV show, Kyle. I don't know if you've heard this um, for the ringer. The ringer has a TV show on FanDuel TV. Yes, that is a real channel. FanDuel has a TV channel. If you have YouTube TV spectrum, whatever you have Fubo, I don't know. It, it's on there. Um, you can find us. We're doing a show called Through the Ringer. I will be the host of said show. And uh, on Tuesdays, we're going to have a 30-minute show. We're going to have a couple guests on. On Thursday, it'll be an hour-long show. We're going to have four guests on. We're going to talk about the hottest topics in sports, entertainment, pop culture. Um, you know, the list goes on and on and on. There's plenty of talented people at the Ringer that are going to come on the show with me, break down some of those big storylines. Um, this is something that, you know... I mean, funny enough, a lot of people are probably like, what did this guy, a lot of people think I'm a poster boy. Like I literally actually worked at UPS and delivered posters to Bill's house, but I did go to school to, to be a broadcast TV host. I have always wanted to be a TV host. That's the first thing that Bill and I talked about when I met him and he said, well, first you got to produce my podcast and then we'll talk about it. (laughs) And, uh, you know, I did that for four years. It was a great time. Kyle, obviously still doing it, doing it better than I ever could. So, um, it's exciting to have this opportunity. I'm excited to, to talk to some of the smartest people in the world of sports and beyond. So uh, Through the Ringer is the name of the show. It will be on FanDuel TV. It starts this Thursday. We got some great guests, Kevin O'Connor, Waz, Joe House, Nora Princiati. I mean, it's going to be great. So we got to look out for Joe House potty mouth. Right. Uh, that, that, that shit won't fly on TV. We're, it's the FCC, Joe House. Watch out. They're going to come after you. Um, we need him to be the Dean Smith of podcasting. So we'll, we'll or pod, of, of TV, I guess, at that point. So I'm really excited about the show. Um, there's a lot of room for, uh, shenanigans. There's a lot of room for growth. Uh, Kyle is going to be a part of the show. Yeah, they got me a gig there. Not bad. I I said I needed someone there with me to, to, to have some fun with. They fucking believed you. Nice job, buddy. Yeah. I mean, look, when, if they let me be the talent, I'm going to use talent's rights. You know what I mean? So we made that happen, made that possible. Again, the show is through the ringer starting this week. Excited about it. Please tune in. And if you don't tune in, just turn your TV on and put it on mute. You don't have to listen, but just, you just have it on. We need, we need the Nielsen numbers. 
folks. Yeah, so. come on. We spent money on this thing. Come on. Come on. Make it happen. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited about it. Um, again, we're going to do the One Shining Podcast on Thursday with Brian Curtis and maybe a special guest. We're going to see. I'm reaching out, making some phone calls. We'll see about that. Um, and then the next week, just to get ahead of things, let people know where we're going, we're going to go dark for a week, just one week. Don't don't leave us. Don't go away. Um, but we're going to give ourselves a little bit of a beat, a little bit of a break, and then we're going to come back full force. Mondays, Thursdays. Mondays, Thursdays. Lock it in. One Shining Podcast. Check your feed. It's coming that way. Kyle Mann will be involved. We're going to have some great guests. Some, so I'm really excited about some of the guests that we have We can get up. weird. We can get real weird. We're going to get real weird. We can have actors on. We can have random friends on. We, we can have anybody on. Um, you know, we can have Joe House on. Uh, you know, we can have anybody. So we're, we're going to have a great time with that. One Shining Podcast. This has been a great run. This has been a fun tournament. I know a lot of people want to say differently. I won't be that guy. I'm trying to be optimistic. I'm trying to keep it positive. We're just trying to have fun. That's the whole point of the show. We're just trying to have a good time. Come along for the ride. Have fun with us. Join in on the fun. Again, this is One Shining Podcast, and we will see you on Thursday. Thursday.